Hey, you're listening to episode 37 of the Following Faith Podcast. And I'm one of your hosts, Dan Jacobson. And I'm Scott Irwin. I'm Daniel Asher. And I'm Kristen Jacobson. You guys, we are uh, into a season that nobody wants to talk about, but everybody's talking about. And uh, people just want to be done with it, but nobody's done with it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about politics. I'm talking about election cycles. I'm talking about the president of the United States Dang. Of America. Getting right into it. We're this, and here's what I want to just set some ground rules for a moment because all of the listeners are about <laughs> ready to stop this podcast. Uh, just don't do it yet. Just hear me out for one second. This is not about politics. I promise. What well, we're about good. to talk about has absolutely nothing to do with politics. And if you've been finding yourself in a season of your life where you're like, if anyone could just stop anything except for politics, I don't want to hear about Supreme Court justices. I don't want to hear about debates. I don't want to hear about policies. I just want to bury my head in the sand and have it all be over. Mm-hmm. This is the podcast for you. <laughs> this is it right now. So, so what are we talking about? Not politics. That's oh, all right. for sure. Oh boy. <laughs> Scott, I, I'm going to yeah. put you on the spot here because you and yeah. I almost early voted the other day. Yes. And we talked about it. It was just a total happenstance thing where like I told you I almost did it, but I ran out of time. And you said that you almost did it, but you, it didn't work out for you either. Yeah. But your rationale for wanting to vote early was was incredible to me. Do you remember what you said? I just wanted to be done with it. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's the greatest that. rationale. It's like taking the early ACTs in high school. Yes. You just want it to be done. I just don't want it hanging over my head anymore. Yeah. yeah. You said that and all of a sudden it it like struck a nerve inside my soul. That so I you're was telling like, me that one more debate won't change your perspective? It, <laughs> I'm pretty confident. <laughs> pretty confident at this point. No, it will not change my perspective. And I, I wonder if uh, if if America is going to see a rash of uh, early voting this year, just because a lot of people just want to have the permission to you know uphold their civic duty and use their voice by their vote, but also do it early enough that allows them just, just to turn the TV off or just skip yeah. over all the policy <laughs> debates. Um, man, I know that's not a great motive for voting, but it's a real motive. And it's, I think, you're I don't still, think it's a bad motive. It's not a bad one either. So, Especially if you don't think the next few weeks are going to bring anything to light that would change, I don't right. know, the way that you feel about candidates or the way that you feel about different policies, which right. totally could happen yeah. the way that things have been going. Who knows what the next two weeks might hold? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think how how uh, how long before the last election was the the Access Hollywood tape? It right. was like yeah. it, it was, was like right before the election, and it You're changed right. nothing. So I don't. You're know getting what dangerously close to talking about, about politics, politics. Here, Daniel. Just to remind <laughs> listeners, this is not about politics. And to yeah, prove yeah, yeah. it, here here's the question that I know everybody's been wanting someone to weigh in on, hmm. and if they could just help them out from a faith perspective, actually have some sort of conclusion to draw. Um, Listeners, I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to do something that's not about politics, but it's going to sound a lot like politics. We're going to tell you who we would vote for if we actually had the opportunity to. Guys, here's what I I want to throw out here. If you had a chance to elect a fictional president from (laughs) movies or TV, Mm. there's a lot of them to choose from. There's a lot of people who have portrayed fictional presidents. I want to know out of the four of us, uh, who would you vote for tomorrow if you had the chance to do so? Um, Scott, we're coming to you first. Does it have to be, do they have to have, have been a president? Yeah. Do they have to have portrayed Ooh, a president? Question. 
or can it be like any fictional character that I feel like do a, a good job? No, I want to. I want to go with presidents, like oh, people who man. were portrayed as presidents. Uh, I don't want to know like you'd vote for Bart Simpson. Because, I was going you know, for Ron yeah. Swanson, but <laughs> uh, now that I would be the most ironic president because he like absolutely hates government. I I know mine though. Okay. Um, I I I'm blanking on his name, but designated survivor. Has anybody seen this show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack, designated Jack Bauer. No, Jack, no. Jack, no, it was Kiefer Sutherland, though. It was, it was him. Yes, yeah, yeah. designated Survivor president, like season one and two. I've heard it's gone off the rails ever since it like got picked back up. But that's the first guy that comes to mind because he was a man of integrity, and mm-hmm. uh, I really appreciate that in a president. So that would, I think, be my first guess. I'm not gonna lie, we did not finish season two, so there might have been something that came out in his personal life that would. <laughs> disqualify him in my eyes but you know well you and all of the republican party from 1998 agree with you that nice. character matters when nice. it comes to the office of our president yes um but we don't <laughs> we don't live that anymore and tom kirkman was his name president tom kirkman, kirkman. yeah i think he was like uh head of the state department no no he was like head of like the department of housing yeah, he was and the he dude was who had to go in the, in the bunker yes, in during the, bunker. the State of the Union speech or yeah. whatever it was. And it all went to pot at the State of the Union, and so, he was the last one alive. Totally off topic, but Daniel, you were a designated survivor a couple times this summer. <laughs> what? Yes. yes. For the worship department. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys had a designated survivor who was taking a week off. Yeah. Just to make sure if there was a COVID outbreak on stage, like there'd at least be one person right. left over with skill. Who could sing alone <laughs> on stage. Sing alone. That's so oh, great. That's how fragile we were yeah. back in June. <laughs> that's my guy. That's, that's a good one. That's I, think it's a, I think that's a solid choice. He was so very if, I'm going, if yeah. I'm going someone who's played a president... I'm going to start with somebody who hasn't played a president. I'm going Macho Man, Randy Savage, (laughs) Spider-Man episode one, (laughs) where he's like sweaty and crazy aggressive and like, I've got you for three minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's my that's my presidential vote. Nice. Just because I feel like he's just not going to take any slack. He's the cream of the crop. No. You know, it's upper echelon of humanity there. Um, All I can think of are Slim Jims and that's it. (laughs) mm. Uh, If I'm going someone who has, oh, man, I'm going to say the late Robin Williams Mm. played Roosevelt and uh, oh, the museum in night at the ah, museum. Yeah. You're totally That's right. That's a deep cut. Yeah, and, and an actual president. So you're saying you're going back to Roosevelt? Does that mean you want a, a new New Deal, Daniel? Is that what you're trying you to know? Tell us? I don't claim to be a historian. So I'm not even going to weigh in. <laughs> <laughs> No, I like that. That's a really good. That's a really good pick. I feel like that might be cheating because you pulled an actor who an actual president. An actual president. That's not cheating. That's using know. your resources. Mm. Yeah. Crystal. I just felt like he is the most was the most likable person imaginable, and uh, we're in a place right now where like you know. So I don't know. It's not very likable. I don't. Well, hey, that we're, again, like, this is not. <laughs> I feel like you politics. need to. You probably need to. Um, Robin Williams is the most likable. Is that what you're saying? Not yeah. Roosevelt. That's what I heard. Hold on, but, <laughs> but but part of my ignorance about the movie and the name Roosevelt. Are you talking about Teddy Roosevelt or Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Teddy. Which, Teddy. Teddy. Teddy is who was it? Yeah. Yes, the ben, Rough Rider just, Teddy. You just made friends with Ben Fra- uh, Fraley because <laughs> ah. Ben Fraley has long told me that his like historical hang, like if you go back in history and mm-hmm. hang out with one person, is Teddy Roosevelt. Well, there you go. So and Daniels would be Robin Williams, so they go. could just all get together. But Robin Williams playing Teddy Roosevelt. Yes, that's a new level. Nice, new level. Kristen. What do you got? Um. Well, I, I suppose it, it's going to be kind of um, obvious, but I want to say Jed Bartlett 
from the West ah, Wing. Um, but I would, you know, I'm, I'm, that's my initial reaction. But I don't love that he lied about the state of his health. Mm. And so mm. for that reason, I'm actually going to go with Matt Santos, mm. who was the president that was elected after Jed Bartlett's second term in office. Gosh, Harrison Ford's a good pick, too. Okay. I really appreciate you. I can't uh, comment on West Wing because I've only seen one episode and that was in government class uh, my sophomore year. So true story. This is probably TMI for everyone. I shouldn't say this on a recording, but I was that like fifth grade boy who was nerdy into politics and NBC would play the West Wing back when I was in I would record it on VHS just so I could watch it. Wow. I remember the day that it, the series wrapped and, and there was a power outage at my house and I missed it. I just remember being angry for what a, a nerd. decade. Did you cry? Total nerd. <laughs> Total nerd. Jed Bartlett is one of the greatest uh, president, like TV presidents ever. Mark my word. And I think uh, he would win in a landslide. Uh, I'd like to clarify something. Yes. I would like to suggest a complete ticket, and that would be Matt Santos, VP, mm. Leslie Nope. With Leslie With Nope. Leslie Nope. <laughs> nice. Very oh. Good. Very good. Was she president in Parks and Rec in the last season? No, it mm. was never clarified. And she wouldn't be on this ticket. She would be VP. Right. I understand. She'd be the VP. Right. Which, oh, Veep. Never mind. I can't admit no, that I've seen no, that show. You, no, you can't. You can't. Oh. <laughs> Not at all. Nope. Dan, nope. who you got? Okay, so mine is actually uh, only because I, I recently saw this movie for the first time. Kristen made me watch it. She was like, you've never seen this movie? Um, have you guys ever seen the movie Dave? <laughs> Have Dave? you seen Dave? Dave? No. It's an old movie from like the, the 90s and it's got a so terrible good. premise. It's got a terrible premise. Like the, the president's like self-centered kind of like raunchy dude who um, is having, he, he, he gets himself in some trouble and he, he can't be uh, the president anymore, but he does nobody can know that the president's not in office. So they find a, a lookalike, oh, this guy no. named Dave. <laughs> and all of a sudden he starts coming up with his own policy ideas, even though he's just supposed to be some like lookalike. Yeah. And he starts running the country as this other guy. Um, and it's a, I don't know. I just like the fact that a guy can happen to find himself in office and the job's not too big for him and he can <laughs> step up to the plate and actually have some good ideas and, and try and like bring people together. I think sounds uh, like a quality guy. Yeah. 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 Damn. But um, none of these people are on the ticket. And so, um, mm. you know, if you're listening to this, uh, I'd love to know, listeners, wh wh who who's your favorite TV slash movie president that you would vote for in a heartbeat? Um, <laughs> and maybe we can get enough people in North Virginia to write this person in yes. uh, and uh, and possibly solve, solve some Make political problems. News. But again, this is not about politics. We're not talking about politics today. Um we do have uh, a, a pretty um, a pretty good uh, upcoming couple of weeks, guys. I want to talk about the church real quick. Oh, yeah. Because um, we're relaunching. We're relaunching <laughs> November 1st. It's coming right up, which is uh, a day that I'm looking forward to. We're going to be having, uh, you know, the, the couple of days we're going to announce our reopening plan. If you're listening to this as it drops. Um, if you are, uh, behind, well, you can go to Bethelweb.org to figure out how, how this is going to look, but, um, I'm super excited. Daniel, we're going to have a full band. Yes. What? Yeah. Partially. We have no electric guitar players. We have a full partial band. <laughs> we have no electric guitar players. How's that possible? We've got like, uh, seven. crown yeah. point. It's all right. <laughs> if any of y'all play guitar, 
Dan, don't don't Find you play out. electric? Oh, I used to shred <laughs> totally. Kristen, yes, yeah, so we're going electric. back to uh, we're going back to a full setup, and we are we are super stoked about it. We're also going back to having uh, some of our HP staff that serve at Crown Point back at Hobart. Nice, um, which would be awesome. Um, Randon and Richard. Uh, Richard's back coming with us. back. So, Richard, yeah, thank the Lord. Richard's Sing coming ladies. back. Yeah, <laughs> watch out. Heartthrob. That's awesome. Hello, Richard. <laughs> so, what do Daniel? What do our listeners have to do to get like our our electric guitarist back? Like, is it D R O U S E? D R O U S E dot org. Is that what please do? email him? Please. I mean, is that is that the thing? I'm not telling people to do this. Just like this is not about no, politics. I'm fine with it. The the more empty spots that we have is the more spots available that are gonna are gonna get filled. So you know, that's a great statement. One of the truisms that, that I've said for five years here is that whenever we create space, God fills it up. Yeah. And I remember just making space for a second service here and thinking it was gonna tank the church and then we just kept growing. Uh, we built spaces, some rooms, you know, and God kept building that and, and helping us grow. And we built a women's you know, space for women's group. And they kept blowing up. We've we've given uh, Scott 14 acres for Verge. Like <laughs> kids nowadays, which is incredible. And bro, we got to talk about this because uh, my Instagram feed was just full on Wednesday and Thursday nights of uh pictures of lanterns it looked like uh, oh, yeah, the beginning yeah. of that movie tangled yeah where like the king and the queen sent up all the lanterns to try and send a message to their daughter that we're coming <laughs> that was super cool man tell us what that was yeah it was it was fun so actually last wednesday was our j1 night which is um it's a program of verge called just one where we encourage students um to bring just one person to invest in one person um, so we had a lot of new people. We were out of our normal series talking through First Timothy, just really about the gospel. And um, one of the things that we hit was the opportunity to give a sin or a situation to God mm. and to kind of uh, hammer that home. Every student got one of these Chinese lanterns and we wrote a sin or a situation that we wanted to give over to God on the lantern. That's awesome. Uh, and then proceeded to herd cats towards lighting all of these without ripping them. And uh, I think we got like 80% of them off, and uh, which is good, which is good for me. But I'm still waiting to hear like, I don't know, houses over in Gary that caught fire because oh my they gosh, landed. No. no, I was slightly concerned, but- They burn up by that point. It, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. It was really cool. It was, uh, it was, it was really cool. And the pictures were great. Students, uh, I think it was a memorable moment for them yeah. just with this opportunity to give their problems over to God. Yeah. Um, that, that it is not, you know, we talked about, it's not, uh, strength doesn't come from ourselves or from, you know, inner strength, uh, strength is given from God. That was the, the passage in, in first Timothy, first Timothy that we looked at. So yeah, it was cool. It was cool. You know, there's some sort of like cynicism that creeps into our hearts when we turn 20, 25, 30, when you look back upon your days in youth group, you think like, man, I, I took a stone and it represented my sin. And I threw it in the well or I threw it in the lake and like threw it at my counselor. Threw it at my counselor right? <laughs> but there is something really, um, I think, spiritual in the in connecting a physical object with a 100%. spiritual, emotional either memory or burden or mm. even just something that's shameful or or guilt that you feel and and having that, you know. I think about how in the Old Testament God commanded the Israelites to, um, in the Day of Atonement, go grab a go grab mm-hmm. a lamb, go actually grab two, um, and one, one or, or there's the scapegoat, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of them gets away, and you put the hands of of the people on that goat, and it carries 
the sins of the people off into the wilderness. And it's like, as far as the East is from the West, this is how far your sin shall be from me. Yeah. And, and that's, I think the same idea of, of putting your, you know, your sin or, or something, some struggle and then watching it be carried away, be taken yeah. away. And it's such yeah. a profoundly, uh, you said it's a very significant memory that students have. And I think that's one of the blessings of student ministry mm-hmm. is you get to take students who live in real life and have real issues and struggles and you get to be creative and how do i teach a spiritual lesson here with something that's going to stick in their memory and stick in yeah. their their mind and do that kinetically mm-hmm. i just love i love that well that's such a this the power of symbolism and uh like in those stories in the old testament like their sins aren't actually being imparted into this lamb right it's god telling them to do this so that way they know forever, like who t- who takes away the sins of the mm-hmm. world. Like it's, it's God yeah. and it's not them. Um, and I just wish I don't know. I wish we did that more in in quote unquote big church. Yeah, where we had uh, I don't know physical representations or physical um, reminders of what we do. That's what that's why I loved what we did with the uh, the family sign. Yeah, and those really special Sundays that we were able to perform. Um, just those kinetic moments where we got to do something as a church and. It it's awesome. hard. It's yeah. definitely a hard It's thing hard to come up with them. To cr- that creativity. Yeah. I, you know, you look at those churches, you do it like week in, week out, and you're like, man. But one, it's it's a lot of money. Two, or because it doesn't have to be, but two, it's like, that's a, just a lot of thought yeah. going into those things. But they are uh, solid moments. And I think if you sprinkle them in throughout this, you know, your, your programming year or whatever, it can it can really harbor some some really solid uh, memories and hopefully connect them to, do- to, to who God is and what he does. Yeah, but. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to have to find out what happens on November 1st when we relaunch our campus, what the uh, the, the special moment's going to be for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you it'll be six feet apart and uh, <laughs> there'll be a big old jar of hand sanitizer next to it. So We could relaunch lanterns in the auditorium. In the there auditorium. Yes. yes. There you go. <laughs> we could sprinkle down hand sanitizer. <laughs> Don't we just put hand sanitizer in the fire extinguisher, like the the those oh, there you go. those fire valves now? So when the fire goes <laughs> up, it's just You're sanitized. sanitizing everyone. <laughs> well, uh, looking forward to November first. Definitely going to be something you do not want to miss. Uh, we'll have two services. Bethelweb.org's got all the details uh, to help you know which service is right for you. Hey Scott, we've got um, numbers six, seven, and eight in the commandments today. Yes, for the new city catechism. You want to leave us out? Yes. I would. Question 11, working through what does God require in the 6th, 7th, and 8th commandments? So here we go. Answer, 6th, that we do not hurt or hate or be hostile to our neighbor, but be patient and peaceful, pursuing even our enemies with love. 7th, that we abstain from sexual immorality and live purely and faithfully, whether in marriage or in single life avoiding all impure actions, looks, words, thoughts, or desires, and whatever might lead to them. Eighth, that we do not take without permission that which belongs to someone else, nor withhold any good from someone we might benefit. So not a whole lot of here, here to cover. We yeah. should be able to handle okay. this pretty, pretty simply, guys. Yeah, That's a ton there. This is honestly the yeah. first time that I've read the answer. It's like uh, immediately... Well, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's convicting for sure. I think um, aside from the incredibly savvy alliteration for that sixth commandment that we yeah. do not hurt, hate, or be hostile to our neighbor, but be patient and peaceful, pursuing even our enemies with love. 
it's just a very nicely worded sentence. <laughs> but I think the, the, it gets on three aspects of neighbor, neighborness or neighborliness. And, and in the New Testament, we, I think, I think in, in 2019, 2020, what we've been focusing on in America is really not what is our relationship with God, but what is my relationship with my neighbor? Yeah. I think that's been a question that has just been underlying all of the, you know, all of the things, all of the tensions, all of, um, you know, the, the desire to, uh, get through COVID what's, you know, is, is wearing a mask and shutting down the community mm -hmm. and, and everybody going inside loving my neighbor or is keeping the economy open, is, is giving people's jobs, letting people regulate themselves. Is that loving my neighbor? All of, all of these issues, we, we're trying to figure out how do we love our neighbor? And I think the way that this question brings it up with these three, three words, uh, saying, uh, not hurting or hating or being hostile to our neighbor, um, is, is so huge for us just to even keep at the forefront of our minds. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think those are um, hostilities are, are um, I don't know, man. I feel like I, I, it's a hostile world today. Mm -hmm. You know, we we definitely. Yeah. Um, I I would not call twenty twenty peaceful by much. I've never felt like my life was in danger, but still, I think there's this safety that is missing emotionally. Yeah, you know, or you're not entirely sure when you introduce yourself to someone how authentic you can be with them because you're not sure if they're going to light you up for something. <laughs> and so there's, there's definitely this general sense of hostility yeah. that's around and Christians or, you know, not even Christians, God followers at this point, like the 10 commandments were given to, to the people of God. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus amplifies the law in the sermon on the Mount, but this is a call for us, right? Like patience, peace, and pursuit of our enemies mm -hmm. uh, with love. Um, this is a topic I think we've covered a little bit on the podcast before, but, um, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on how, how we as Christians best pursue our enemies or, or even the call to that? What does that make you think of? And how do we do that here in Northwest Indiana? How do Christians best pursue their enemies? I think it's the, the fight against being indifferent and just being lukewarm. I mean, I think that, uh, being lukewarm is like the most severe form of hatred, so um, in my life where I've, I felt really convicted about how I've not loved my enemies, it's just the way that I've shown complete indifference to people that I disagree with mm. um, and unwillingness to even hear someone's perspective, hear them out. Um, I'll come to conversations. And I think a lot of us do. And I think we see this with how just politically divided that our country is like, I hate to bring it up again, but this is uh, not about <laughs> politics. <laughs> but uh, the one yeah. underlying truth is that people come to the table with their enemies without even the the willingness to to bend or to pivot or to have someone else speak truth into them. Yeah. Um, so that's been a conviction for me that there are things that I definitely need to grow in and one of them being coming to the table with, uh, I don't know, a sense of humility mm -hmm. and, and conversations and people that I disagree with. No, that's good, Dan. I, I even think there's like an inability or a lack of a desire to listen, yeah. to, to even sit and, and, to, and to really truly listen to the other side. I think, I mean, in some ways, I think we misidentify who our enemies are. Mm, you know, it's good. interesting because, it, and we, I know we're joking about not talking politics, but I think that's so much where the hostility lies right now. And um, 
I, I'm shocked at how people talk about those mm-hmm. who disagree with them mm-hmm. as if they are like evil enemies <laughs> seeking harm to them. And I think it's interesting because my first reaction is those people are your enemy. Why are you talking so negatively or cruelly about those people? And then my next thought is, even if they are your enemy, mm-hmm. how are we meant to respond to people as believers? It's not with hate. Even when, I mean, we disagree, you know, really strongly about things, we still are called to love and seek peace. And I think that's a word we need right now. Peace? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting. I think, you know, you you think about... Uh, you're talking on the other side of the political fence, you talk about a person and you're right. Like you, you vindicate, people are vindicated because of the side that they're on. But at the end of the day, they are a person. Like mm-hmm. I think of like my literal next door neighbors. Right. Um, I don't know, you know, what side of the fence they are, but it is, they are a person and they're normal people and they're likable people. Mm-hmm. And right. I mean, they probably do not align with my political views. Um, but that's okay. You know, it doesn't, right. I, 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 I resonate with that, Kristen. It does not give me the right to to speak poorly or to slander. Yeah, and particularly when we're talking about, like, I don't know if your neighbor is a Christ follower or not, um, but if they're not, you know, the goal of your witness to them is not to win them to a political ideology. Yeah. And if, if, if that's your goal for them, which I think might be a normal thought for a lot of Christians uh, over the decades is, is to you know, create a uniform Mm -hmm. viewpoint of the Christian faith. I'm glad that Jesus wants us to call people to himself and not to a political party. And this is an age old problem. Mm -hmm. You know, even one of Jesus' disciples was called a zealot. Well, that was a political movement. That was a, that was actually a political party in a Jewish faction that was trying to overthrow Rome. Like they were waiting for Jesus to drop the hammer on Rome. And, if you look, if you look at uh, Acts chapter one, um, Jesus says, "You know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me." Mm. You know, and then they say, "Is now the time when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel?" And mm. Jesus says, "No, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, yeah. and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." It's almost like he doesn't even answer the question. He doesn't give yeah. give credence to the premise. <laughs> and and they're trying. I mean, this is the story of Acts: is you got these Jewish people who want to overthrow Rome. Rome gets overthrown. But not by political power or by an army, but but simply by the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as it takes root in people's hearts and lives and brings, you know, Jewish believer and Greek believer together across those lines. And the neighborliness of that grows as the word mm-hmm. grows mm-hmm. and as the community grows. And um, Rome's not here anymore, but, and, but the church but is. the church is. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Preaching, Scott. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, you guys are bringing up some great points. I, I even wonder too, there's this buzzword in our society today called cancel culture. And I wonder what it says about us. It's two words. Who, <laughs> yes, those are there's two, a phrase that are called phrase. <laughs> I don't know. I don't speak. Uh, but, but I wonder like, is it possible for us to love our enemy and, and cancel them? Mm. And is that appropriate for Christians? I, 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 you made me think about it, Daniel, when you talked about indifference being the worst form of hate. Mm. And I can't think of anything more indifferent towards someone than canceling them. 
Is that a rhetorical question or are you actually seeking discussion it's here? It's rhetorical for me, but if you have something that will help me out, I would love it. <laughs> well, I, I think it's, it's striking to me because anything that would say you're done, you're canceled, there's no room for redemption. There's mm-hmm. no room for restoration in that. And, and that's the opposite of, of what we see from Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of how he treats the thief on the cross. There was never a moment where that person could not turn and... Um, repent and be restored by Jesus himself in that moment. And so that idea that, oh, you've made a mistake. I'm, there's zero recognition of you anymore. Like that is, that's just opposite of what I think Christ calls us to. Yeah, no, that's a good word. That's a good word. I think the, the implicit answer that you're helping draw out is, is um, as long as you get a pulse, you got a purpose, right? There's a potential for you mm-hmm. to be able to be um, redeemed, and that's the that's that's truly the power, it's the power of the gospel. I, I want to dive into this seventh commandment because um, I think for a lot of our listeners, they're a little bit of an older crowd, um, and they either have kids or they themselves are single and navigating life. Um, and and that seventh commandment can often feel um, archaic and maybe mm-hmm. old school. I'm going to read it again, the answer seventh, that we abstain from sexual immorality and live purely and faithfully, whether in marriage or in single life, avoiding all impure actions, looks, words, thoughts, or desires, and whatever might lead to them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Well, I love this because um, the way that the answer is expounded upon makes all of us look guilty yeah <laughs> that there's not one sense of that okay maybe i don't deal with you know overt sexual sin but oh gosh well, i've thought things or i've you know these images have come in my head or whatever but um i know i uh i like how how just detailed the answer is because it's like if you think you can get out of this uh <laughs> alive like you can't like we're, we're we are all guilty of these mm-hmm. absolutely and i think of jesus words uh in the gospels when he says, you know, you've, you've heard it said not to commit adultery or, um, but I, but I tell you, even, even if you, if look, you yeah. look with lustful intent at a woman, you're committing adultery in your own heart. And so he ratchets up the, um, just the intensity of, of mm-hmm. what it means to stay holy and pure in this area. And I, I've, you know, I, I read an interesting article the other day about what COVID has done to hookup culture in America. Yeah. Hmm. And it's, it's actually uh, totally started to change it. Um, but at the same time, I think this, this gets to the point of uh, our, our society has been sexualized for mm-hmm. decades. We are not new. This is not like a new thing that people are wondering about. Um, this has been standard fare for our world. Um, in the billboards that are on, on the side of the road and, and what's acceptable in junior high and high schools and colleges. And it's almost, I think the attitude that I've seen that I, I think we just want to remember um, what, the, what the word says, amongst adults, it, it, it could be like, well, I'm an adult. Those rules are okay for other people, but now that I'm an adult, I get to choose where I sleep and mm-hmm. who else sleeps with me. And I'm going to choose what I get to do with my body and who else does something with my body. Uh, and, and it's this very, um, it can seem like a very childish guideline. Mm. Like this is good for you until you're 21. 
mm-hmm. and then it's your rite of passage or or whatnot. And I think um, I think this is you know we want to we want to affirm where the Bible affirms things that nothing will burn your life down more like sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. The the scars of sexual sin run deeper than most scars do. I know that's true in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the patterns of unhealth uh, that produce sexual sin can take um, years uh, to, to heal, right? And so I think it just, it behooves us who pastor people uh, in, in each one of our individual areas, whether women's ministries or worship ministries or, or the campus or students, to just to be reminded that it's not just a archaic thing, but it is really important for us to show the yeah. Lord our faithfulness to Him mm-hmm. before we are faithful to our spouse. You know, well, and sorry, I was just going to say, Dean, Dean, you bring up a, I, I think a point that we all consciously know that sexual scars run a little bit deeper than maybe some other sins. And I've got thoughts on to why that is, but I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. And Kristen, especially, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Why Why is that? Why um, is sexual sin, I, I'm thinking from a student, student ministry perce- perspective, uh, why do those scars run so deeply? And why, if that's the case, is this so prevalent and so easy? Um, well, I, I'm immediately thinking of that verse. I'm not... You have to remember, remind me of the passage here, but where Paul says all other sin a man commits are outside the body, right? But sexual sin is mm-hmm. the sin that actually includes your body. And we've talked a little bit on here, even when we've discussed why being at church in person matters, it's because we are not just bodies. We are also spiritual beings and who have souls. And that when you combine all of those things, that's what sexual sin is. I mean, that's what sexual sin does is combine all parts of who we are. And so I think there's, I think that's why it it causes deeper pain. I think that's why it, it creates um, a messiness within us with the shame that we carry from sexual sin in particular and how being able to connect with others in a spiritual way. Um, Mm-hmm. So that was the first part of your question. I don't remember what the other part was, Scott. Yeah, no, that that's, that was it. That's, that's yeah. so good. You know, you're making me think, Kristen, uh, about just um, the way the church has has thought about um, sexual impulses. I'll put it that way, and the way that the Christian is to respond to those impulses. Um, the The Catholic Church used to describe this very well, and I think it would be part of Protestant dogma as well. If, I, if there is such a thing, that might be an oxymoron. But to say, <laughs> you know, God created humans lower than angels, right? So we're not angelic beings who are all spirit with no body, but He created us higher than the created realm or the animals, which is to say, all body, no spirit. We are this this psychosomatic unity, this this mind, spirit, body connection. And I think what the seventh, what the sixth, seventh, and eighth commandments do for us is actually distinguishes us from the angelic realm and mm-hmm. from the yeah. animalistic realm, mm-hmm. where where the you know animals are can be you, know, you think about dogs are pack animals and they've got a community and they're going to stick with their own and they're going to love their own, um, and likewise uh, you can have. Uh, in, a, in an animalistic realm, a, a theft of property or like, you know, a domination of another pack and stealing from them without permission. 
uh, in, in the angelic realm, you're not gonna you're not gonna deal with any of these issues because it's just a purely spiritual, non physical mm-hmm. urge. And I think part of what this does is reminds us that we are God's creation, but we're gonna have to navigate life not thinking we're totally immune from sexual desire, but also knowing that we don't have to totally give into it. Mm-hmm. That God has called us to this place where he's given us sex within the context of marriage. And that's the biblical permission is that God created sex to be good. And even in the answer here, it's that we abstain from sexual immorality. And how do you do that? Well, you live purely and faithfully, whether you're in marriage or single life. It's very possible to be sexually immoral, but married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we kind of, we know that, but sometimes we forget that. Mm-hmm. And and as as people who are not just animals, not just angels, but human beings um, who are part spirit, part body. Um, I think it's really good for us to be reminded that um, that it's possible for us to, to do this um, and it's necessary mm-hmm. for us to do this as well. So no immorality or things that might lead to immorality. Oh my gosh. Super yeah. simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever might lead to them. And I think that is just like, you know, you need to know yourself. Yeah, You know what pushes you down the road to being in situations that you shouldn't be in. Well, what this reminds me of is uh, my need as a man for accountability, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't come without community. Yeah. So when I'm, when I'm reading through these, uh, this is kind of like the trifecta of like why you need community yeah. in your life. Um, so there's no hatred for others. You can be a good husband and you can not even have the desire to take what's not yours. Yeah. It's the eighth commandment. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just reminds me of why community is just such uh, a need in scripture, why, why we're told uh, we have to have it. Um, and I don't know, uh, accountability, I wasn't really introduced to accountability until I got to college, until I was kind of like deep in the weeds of it. But uh, I'd love to talk about that because I think that's um, such a cure mm. for um, sexual sin is getting to getting I don't know. To um, uh, where is it in here? Um, like thoughts or desires and whatever might lead to them. The leading to them yeah. is where I think accountability is is so important. Like, what are those things that just even slightly triggers those desires, those wants, those needs that you might have? Yeah, absolutely. That's well said. Well said. Well, uh, possibly a conversation for us to carry in the future. Uh, hey, listeners, thanks so much for uh, tuning into this episode. See, we told you it was about <laughs> politics. We told you. And we never lie about what this is or is not. This is the Following Faith podcast. The stories of people following Jesus, how, how we want to encourage you, uh, brother or sister, to take your next step following Christ further in your own walk. And we hope that this conversation has helped challenge you, give you some, uh, some hope if you've been uh, discouraged, but also some strength for the journey. And until next time, we will see you later.